The Ranking Show is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. December is here, that means the holidays are here, and who doesn't love getting some tickets as a nice holiday gift? You can find gifts just like that on GameTime, whether you're looking for NBA tickets, NFL tickets, NHL tickets, college basketball, college football, bowl games. You can find it all on GameTime. You can find concert and theater tickets as well. The GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Fantasy football playoff semifinals here for, I don't know, about 99.9% of fantasy football leagues. And if you are out there listening to this edition of the ranking show, it almost certainly means that you are alive in those fantasy football semifinals. So congratulations. We're happy you're here. And we hope we can help you get to that next step, the fantasy football championship. Welcome into this edition of the ranking show. I am Michael Beller joined by Brandon Funston and Jake Seeley, as I am every single week here on The Ranking Show. Uh, I, I, I didn't know this about Brandon, so I'm going to ask you first, Jake. Are you uh, headed or in the semifinals in any of your leagues? Yeah, it's actually one of my worst years, but still uh, 13 play throughout the year, full management leagues. I didn't make the playoffs in three. The common theme among those teams was a lot of James Conner or a lot of Damian Williams and a lot of Devontae Adams. <laughs> and <laughs> so you can just – one of those was a mock draft with all three of them. I think two of them overlapped most of those. Actually, one of them had Antonio Brown too. And so they, yeah, you can understand how those teams went. But the funny thing was is I'm only alive now. As, so that's 10 out of 13. I'm only alive in three still because I got bounced from the first round like a lot of people did. It was a bad week 14 if you had talent. And this is, you know, something I said, I'm sure you guys remember this and get your guys' opinion, but it was like this again last year. Like week 14 is all of a sudden turned into this miserable, what the hell happened? We're all getting bounced if we had talent on our rosters because this is the time that Todd Gurley got banged up and put up like his seven-point effort after having 30 the week before. Derrick Henry had those four touchdowns in that game. Wide receivers were doing nothing. Other running backs besides Todd Gurley were doing nothing. Like week 14 was the week that knocked out a lot of good teams, and that seems to be what happened again this year. I, you know what? I have something to say as a guy who whose main league plays week 17. Like, aren't you starting to see that, like, the final month of the year is, is, is just crazy anyways? And is week 17 so god-awfully more crazy than a lot of these weeks yes. that we've seen? I, To me, I say, like, you know what? This is just another week where you're navigating uh, the craziness. And maybe it's a little bit more elevated, but, man, it's meat on the bone. It's another week you could play no. fantasy football. Why not do it? Yeah, because I, I, you, it's it's oh, no, no no are you gonna jump in on his side too? Mike? No no, no, no I, about I'm, to do? I'm disagreeing strongly, but you can go first. Okay, good. You're out of your <laughs> mind because the thing is, is it, it's not just adding another week. It's be another week that would be fine to your point of what just happened the past couple of weeks. But it's another week of there's zero predictability at the beginning of the season to try and predict who's going to just outright sit for no reason in the last week of the season. Like nobody had the 49ers as the best division or best team in the NFC. Like. Maybe some people thought they were a 
playoff team, but nobody was thinking, oh my God, I might have to replace Emmanuel Sanders, who wasn't even on the team at the time in week <laughs> 17, or have to replace Raheem Mostert, who wasn't even relevant to start the season. Like, there's just so much on top of it, like not being able to predict who's going to be resting legit starters. And that's why I will never, I 100%, there's not even like a, this isn't 99.9%. And I can see a little glimmer. And I'm not saying you're wrong. People can play however the hell they want. I say this all the time. People ask me for my opinion. I give it. I'm not saying this to you, Brandon. But I give it in like the, uh, you know, the card. Like this thing. I just tweeted out before the show about 20 minutes ago. People were saying, should non-playoff teams make waiver moves? And I said, absolutely not. Like unless there's a consolation prize or it's a keeper league. Absolutely not. There's zero reason to do that outside of being bitter. And then people are like, oh, you're out of your mind, blah, blah, blah. Play how you want. You asked my opinion. I said absolutely not. Like, Brandon, if you want to do that, but I this isn't one where I'm like, oh, I could see it. I am 100% against week 17. 100,000%. You know, I would just say one more thing on it. I've been in this league for over 20 years. There's been, you know, there's been some commonality throughout the years in terms of carryover of owners. Um, but, like, the current owners that we have in there, we've probably been together for 15 years, uh, at least 10 of the 12 and we open up for discussion rule changes every year at the beginning of the year. And not once has anybody said, we should stop playing week 17. Like, everybody just accepts it. No one has an issue with it. I've won a fantasy league with Tim Tebow as my quarterback and Joe <laughs> Webb as Joe my Webb. wide receiver because <laughs> see, he was because uh, he was wide receiver eligible in Yahoo when he was quarterbacking for the Vikings. So, uh, <laughs> I've, I've, and Joe McKnight was my running back, and he I think he replaced, like, I forget, was it – I don't know who the running back was that was their main guy, but they sat him in week 17, and McKnight had like 160 Sean yards. Sean Green, something. something like that. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, there's so much luck throughout the year, and there's no doubt that week 17 requires a little bit more of that, but that's just kind of part of the equation. It's only really about two owners. Um, and a lot of times it's like two sort of equal teams. You know, they're in the finals. And so if there's a – you know – if you just no, but see exactly like managerial like, acumen Mike. for the final week of the season. No, but see that's the thing, and to go about Mike, you haven't even jumped in yet. But that, to to that point is, what if the two owners, one of them owns Ezekiel Elliott, and the Cowboys locked up the division the week before, and they have nothing to play for because they're obviously locked into the number four spot with the home game, and they say, well, you know what, we're benching Zeke just to make sure he's ready for our buy game or to play our wild card game, and that happens to be one of the owners that just screwed the owner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's the problem for me is that it is the injuries can happen at any point. Week one, week 10, week 14, whatever. We accept that. But week 17 introduces a potential variable that is not present at any other point of the season. Maybe it doesn't happen. Maybe there are no teams who are going to rest their starters. Of course, that is in play. But even the, the tiniest chance of that coming into play and changing who the fantasy champion is, is enough for me. I actually learned this the second year I played fantasy football was the only year that my home league used week 17. And it was that week that uh, it was 99. It was that, uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but uh, there was a, the, the NFC, the last playoff spot was coming down potentially to like the sixth tiebreaker, which was like point differential. <laughs> so it was like the Panthers were involved and the Packers were involved. And it was that game that Steve Berline threw five touchdowns and like three of them went to Patrick Jeffers. Uh, and I was playing a guy who had both Berline and Jeffers. And I had Kurt Warner and Marshall Falk on my team and the Rams had everything locked up. And so they both sat. And that was when we realized, wait a minute, we might only be 14 years old, but we know that this isn't right. And then we stopped playing week 17. <laughs> You're older than I thought you were. <laughs> That's what I took from that. I'm thirty. I'm thirty-five. 
<laughs> okay, still older than I thought you were. <laughs> hey, how about that? Still not the oldest guy on this show, though. That, that's true. <laughs> uh, no comment. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's that's enough on that's enough on week seventeen championship games. Uh, hopefully, not only you're here with us because you uh, are in your fantasy football semifinals or first round, maybe if you are like Brandon, but you stuck with us through that whole discussion. You can follow Jake on Twitter at All in Kid. You can follow uh, Brandon at Brandon Funston and me at M Beller. Uh, it might be the end of the football season, but still a whole lot of goodness here on The Athletic. And if you go to theathletic.com slash the ranking show, you can get 40% off an annual subscription to The Athletic. For those of you listening to this in the free universe, makes a great holiday gift as well with holiday time now front and center in all of our minds. That subscription gives you access to our subscribers only update to this show on Friday. That is with me and Derek Van Riper and also, of course, Jake's award-winning industry top rankings that he updates all the way through to kickoff on Sunday. Be sure to check out To Be Honest with Jake and D'Angelo Williams. Jake, we haven't talked about this show in a few weeks. What have you and uh, D'Angelo been talking about in recent weeks? Yeah, so the past two weeks, yes, yesterday was, or well, I guess today was the NFC. What are the playoff teams lacking as they head in last week was AFC. So we've covered both of those. And this was, so D'Angelo's gotten really upset once before. This is the second time I've seen it. And it's probably the most upset I've ever seen him because he had to, we had to bleep him depending on where the podcast <laughs> was out there because he actually, even before the podcast started, said, Am I allowed to say the F word? I want to just say it once. That's all. Just once. And he was talking about the NCAA because he's talking about coaches and players being stuck when coaches leave and, you know, hit close to home being from Memphis and the Memphis school just had that happen with them leaving for mm -hmm. FSU. So you can hear him ranting, go on about the fact. I, I agree with him, but, you know, oh, problems with the NCAA. What a surprise. <laughs> Who could have thunk that one bit? <laughs> we'll definitely check out, uh, check out, to be honest, whether you've got uh, D'Angelo bleeped or not. It's a, it's a show worth checking out every single episode uh, that the two of you guys put out. With that, let's get on to week 15 rankings and the meat of the ranking show here. We're going to start at the running back position as we do every single week. And Raheem Mostert, the first guy who I want to talk about, this guy has played his way into lead dog status in San Francisco. Kyle Shanahan said it himself, uh, quote, he's given us no choice but to give him more opportunities in recent weeks and going forward. Jake, you were at RB19 on Mostert. Brandon at RB18. 49ers, big favorites at home against the Atlanta Falcons this week. Uh, Jake, we will start with you on this one. This is someone you're not even thinking about, right? If you've got him, you're starting him. You are, and if it wasn't for the fact that he was a 49er, it, honestly, he should probably be in the fringe RB1 conversation at this point with the performance, the use, and how things are going. But, hey, it's Shanahan. And, like, look, I joked about it, but would anybody be legitimately shocked if Tevin Coleman led the backfield this week? I, I know we'd be Revenge narrative. Well, as you see, let's just, but it's the, it's not, forget that. Let's just talk about the truth. The truth is Shanahan, like Shanahan, any given week, he could turn back to Breida because Breida's first game back was last week and the snap count was a wide margin to Mostert. But I just, that's the only reason he's where I have him. I would legitimately want to put him higher and I want to start him, but oh my God, I'm going to be sick to my stomach if I do so. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, you like that uh, he had 12 touches last week and all all the, you know, everybody else combined, the three other guys that touched the ball in that backfield had 13 total. So um, it was a weird game, but he was the clear leader and he had 21 touches the week before and he's been like an efficiency monster in terms of fantasy points per touch. But 
Jake's right. What if Matt Breida comes in and he busts off a 60-yard run and uh, Mostert, you know, did kind of sort of nothing in his first series or two? And then, like, the, the in-game potential for Shanahan to just change his mind is is pretty high. But the good thing about it is Mostert's pretty much been money, uh, like I said, on a per-touch basis. And, um, you know, as long as he's getting touches early, I feel good about him <laughs> against Atlanta. I do think that, you know, Tevin Coleman – in a game against his old team where they could be ahead. Like Tevin Coleman typically is the guy that they're going to, you know, lean on to just kind of move the chains when they're in the lead. But he's been so bad of late that I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm trusting Mostert as much as I can possibly trust him this week. Yeah, it's uh, a situation that uh, has really turned in his direction in recent weeks. And you guys said it, this, the last two games, he's been excellent. 29 carries, 215 yards, uh, found the end zone through the air. He's been electric. He brings a new element to that offense and has looked like the best back in San Francisco over the last few weeks. So feeling good about him and the 49ers being big favorites at home against Atlanta in week 15. Uh, the next guy finds himself on the opposite side of that discussion. It's Joe Mixon. Now we have seen him play up to the level that a lot of people expected him to in recent weeks, but has a brutal matchup this week against the New England Patriots. Uh, they've basically allowed the fewest fantasy points to every single position uh, across the board. Uh, part of that has to do with the schedule that they've played, but we also have to give credit where it's due. That has been a very stout defense all season long. Now, neither of you guys are sitting down mixing. Jake, you've got him at RB16. Brandon, you've got him at RB15 uh, uh, for uh, for this week. Uh, Bengals being nine and a half point uh, underdogs at home against the Patriots. I'm going to go back to Jake first on this one again. Uh, Jake, we talk about the Patriots being such a tough defense against every single position and part of that having to do with the schedule they've played. You put out a uh, schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed metric that takes into account the teams that you've played, the players that you've played, where are the Patriots there against the running back position? Yeah, third worst. So it's it's still extremely bad. 49ers are by far the worst, minus 9.1 on average. Tampa Bay is second at eight. And then you got the Patriots at 7.5. So it's not just, oh, look, you know, they face nobody. Uh, but it does move them from number one toughest overall to number three. Again, it's not that bad. But you've seen some flashes where, hey, you want to try and beat them on the ground, uh, mostly from corner or quarter, quarter, quarterbacks, not cornerbacks. <laughs> uh, Nick Chubb and Mark Ingram had good games against them. You go back to earlier this season, Frank Gore inexplicably had 100 yards against them. And I, I, I wanted to pivot to him, like you know, before we did the show, because the Josh Jacobs news has kind of thrown the DeAndre Washington situation up in the air until we find out more. But it's been the only player that I've seen the most push, not the only, but like the biggest pushback on the rankings with. And it's just like, why do you have him so high? I can't believe you have him so high. I can't. What well, he's so high. Well, against Baltimore, he ran thirty times for one hundred and fourteen yards. Against Pittsburgh, he ran eighteen times for seventy nine yards. You're not going to the bank and being like, oh, my God, look at this RB1 performance. But he's a mid-level RB2. The workload has just been constant since, what, go back to week seven or eight, or I think it was, wherever, whenever he faced the Rams. And it's kind of like that's when he turned the corner. He has been somewhat touchdown reliant, but 20 touches from Joe Mixon. Yeah, it's against the Patriots. But even if he comes out with a performance like he did against the Steelers, we're 79 yards. Okay, well, that's still maybe 18 is a little bit high, but he's still going to rank, what, 23, 24 for the week? Chill out, people. Yeah, exactly. I'm following workload here. It, you know, New England 
and much of it was a bunch of blowouts early on where they were beating people like 30, you know, 33 to nothing, 35, 14. Uh, this offense for New England is terrible right now. So I think that, you know, Cincinnati, from a from a game script standpoint, I don't think they're going to have to be just starting to throw the ball early and, and often. I think this is a terrible New England offense right now. And if you look at the last uh, few games, that's bearing out. I think they've had like 22 points as their high in their last five games. Um so I think the volume potential is still there for Mixon. He's been, you know, he's been doing decently at, at minimum against some tough defenses. And, you know, when he faces the soft ones, he's been taking advantage. Things have turned around for him. So if, if you feel good about him getting, getting 20 touches, I think uh, you feel good about him being a solid RB too. You got to believe Andy Dalton adds a level of stability that Mixon did not have for that month or so while Ryan Finley was the starter. So Joe Mixon right there with Raheem Mostert factoring comfortably into the RB2 mix for week 15. A guy who you guys have maybe a notch below both Nick Mixon, not Nixon, Mixon and Mostert, uh, but still in the RB2 mix is Miles Sanders. Uh, RB23 for Jake, RB21 for Brandon. Uh, the, the workload hasn't been an issue for him since Jordan Howard uh, suffered his shoulder injury. We're talking about at least 11 carries and at least four targets in four straight games for Miles Sanders. In some of those games, the production has been there. In others, like last week, hasn't quite been there. We also saw Boston Scott get heavily involved and be very successful against the Giants last week. 118 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown on 16 touches for Scott. But we still like Sanders as an RB2. Brandon, go to you first on this one. Eagles as four-and-a-half-point favorites at Washington this week. Uh, are, are you afraid of Boston Scott at all? Because it sure does sound like Jordan Howard's going to be out again, even though we're talking about this just on Wednesday. I, a little bit. I mean, but, you know, am I afraid in in Boston Scott taking over a lead role in this backfield? No, I think Miles Sanders is still safely that guy. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's something similar to what we saw last week where it's kind of 19 touches for Sanders and 12 touches for Scott. I think that's reasonable. Scott looked... Scott looked dang good. I think we've always thought that this guy was, you know, was electric and, and could do some things. It's just been, you know, a long, a long while and wait for him to get really get an opportunity. But I wouldn't be surprised if Philly continues to explore that with Scott. I just expect Sanders to be the lead guy. It's a, it's a good matchup. Uh, look at there without Alshon Jeffrey again. So I think Scott and Sanders in the passing game is going to have to be a thing as well. So as long as Sanders gets 15 carries and uh i'm assuming he's going to get some work in the passing game that should net out as a back end rb2 which is where i have him ranked yeah and a lot of the touches that went to scott probably don't happen if sanders is hydrated properly you know that's really what it came down to you know the cramps and the dehydration and came back and late in the game and over time as we know and looked as good as we would expect from Miles Sanders. The thing about Scott is a simple version I put it in the waiver column in the ranks as well to mention him again is that who is he compared to coming out of college? Darren Sproles. Who does Doug Peterson have an affinity for? Darren Sproles. That role has been in the system forever. There's a little bit of concern now that he's gotten that from Boston Scott. Granted, it's only one game, but this is probably why they went and picked him up. I mean, he's only been around drafted by the Saints last year and late by the Saints last year. But the Eagles have been moving him around on the practice squad and back and forth over so often. So he's got some opportunity. If Jordan Howard's out, Miles Sanders has to be here. Boston Scott becomes a PPR, not quite desperation, but kind of like a flyer type of play. But that would well, be my only concern. Ranked, Jake. Scott or, Scott, or Sanders? Ranked? 
uh, as of today with, well, I got to go look. I mean, we weren't talking to him, so I didn't have him initially. <laughs> I know, but I think he's maybe the more interesting call here if Jordan Howard's out. Uh, I actually have him I have him 48th right with Chris Thompson and David Johnson, which is where I would put him. Okay, interesting. I have so, him in the... Uh, I have him in the uh, back end of the of the uh, top forty, so like right at thirty eight. See, I I'm not going that high just because if we don't get the cramping situation, I think Boston Scott, despite like I said, the Darren Sproles yeah, comparisons, but you got the cramping uh, situation, and then Boston Scott looked awesome. I know. I know. I'm in the middle of the I'm sentence. The <laughs> I'm, I'm saying. just saying. Well, I'm saying <laughs> I don't think he's going to get the rushing. He, you've seen it. He's. I don't care. The Darren Sproles comparisons are there, but the one thing about Darren Sproles is still underrated. The fact that he was stronger than people wanted to give him credit for. You don't want him running through the tackles, but you didn't have to pull him away and not. But Darren Sproles got some carries. I think if Miles Sanders doesn't have that issue and is healthy this week, which we assume. I don't see Boston Scott getting more than one, two, th- like basically Naheem Hines. That's who I think you should treat him as. Yeah, so we're firing up uh, Miles Sanders if uh, if it's just Naeem Hines who he's uh, dealing with in his backfield. And again, it does look like Jordan Howard is going to be out this week again. We are recording this on Wednesday, so things could change over the next couple of days. But Jordan Howard's still not cleared for contact with that shoulder injury. One more running back to talk about. It's Sony Michelle. We already hit on the back on the other side of that game, Joe Mixon. Uh, well, this New England offense has not been able to run the ball one bit all season. Uh, Sonny Michelle has a season high of 91 yards. He's topped 80 yards just four times. I know yards per carry isn't a perfect stat, but still you see that 3.5 next to Sonny Michelle's number, and it might not tell the whole story, but it tells a pretty good part of it and that this has just been a run game that hasn't been able to get anything going at all. Jake, you're at RB30. Brandon at RB27. I guess I, you know, I wrote a question here. I guess the, the numbers answer uh, my question, but Jake, any faith in Sonny Michelle at all this week? Hmm, no, because I just don't have faith, which has always been the case of any Patriots backfield. And Sonny Michelle doesn't look good this year. Sonny Michelle was kind of heading into the season for some myself. Now, granted, I didn't expect it to be this bad, but uh, it's kind of in that whole, hey, he's LeGarrette Blunt, worst case. And But the thing with LeGarrette Blunt was it 18 touchdowns that season or whatever it was. Uh, so th- we expected more touchdowns, but the thing with Sonny Michelle was already, okay, He's going to get that goal line work. But, Brandon, you brought this up earlier in the show, is that this Patriots offense, or what was it you, Mike? One of your two of you said that the Patriots offense doesn't look good anymore, and it's lackluster right now. So if you're going to chase touchdowns from a running back, well, that offense needs to look better. Now, it's a good situation, and backup running backs have even been good against this team. But all that being said is Sonny Michelle doesn't look good. So, yeah, can he fall in for a touchdown? Sure. And that would make this ranking way too low. But, I mean, really, if he's just going to go out there and t- it's going to take 20 carries just to get to 70 yards, I mean, that's the, that's the problem with Sonny Michelle right now. Yeah, I, 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 I was the one who was talking about that offense, and, I, you know, I, I don't love Sonny Michelle. But I was just looking up his numbers, and, you know, he's averaged 17 carries in, in wins, and he's averaged, like, about seven carries in losses, in the three losses. And if you look at his season carries – it's like the two losses to uh, Kansas City and Baltimore. He hardly touched the ball. And and then, you know, he had 10 carries against Houston. He also had 10 carries against Philadelphia. And that, that game was a low-scoring slog. And, the, you know, so when, when New England has these troubles it scoring and, and they're it behind, they don't use them at all. But they're a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. I feel like he can get some volume in this one. Uh, maybe they can get him going. I'm sure they want to see if they can get him going. 
And if he's typically a 50-50 bet for scoring, I think he has six touchdowns and, right, you know, what are we, 13 games in. Like, I'm kind of baking in almost like three quarters of a touchdown in this one. I feel like he has a really good chance to score a touchdown this one. So that's why I gave him a little bit of a bump. Like, what is that? Like, I'm the leg be, doesn't make I'm it into the end zone? I'm not going to be completely agnostic about the touchdown upside. I think that's – you gotta you got to look at it and say, hey, I think he has a better than normal chance of scoring this week. You know, you guys. Uh, you that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you guys have him sitting in that range uh, where we typically talk about running backs to take a chance on. So let's transition over there and discuss the running backs that you're comfortable taking a chance on in your fantasy football semifinals or first round. Brandon, Brandon, why don't you take this one first? Uh, I'll just say Royce Freeman because it's a great matchup against Kansas City, the second most uh, fancy points allowed to the position. Yes, Philip Lindsay is is more clearly kind of the lead of that platoon, but I think Royce Freeman can still be counted on for double digit touches, um, and and he's not completely a you know a non factor in the passing game. So I would say that if you as a flex kind of consideration, if I, I think Royce Freeman is is fair in that in that regard. Yeah, so I, I don't mind Royce Freeman uh, as another backup. Crane Hump has been terrific. He's actually got double points. I like points Crane Hump better for sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I'm, I'm going to go a little bit deeper, uh, mostly because of the work last week. Uh, he dominated the work, and he's much more valuable in the passing game, but we talk half and full point PPR a lot more. Getting to go against the Giants, the Laird of Montague over there. Good old Patrick Laird. I, I think that, <laughs> look, you can roll him out. I, I mean, let's go. I, I, we didn't talk about him in the rankings, but I have him at RB28, one spot behind Cream Hunt this week. I think you could easily have Laird in your week, week 15 lineup. I have him one spot in front of Marlon Mack this week. I don't, I don't like Marlon Mack in this matchup and given his use. If it wasn't for the touchdown last week, nobody's even saying, what's wrong with Marlon Mack? Because what's wrong with Marlon Mack is he can't run the ball right now. Yeah, uh, Patrick Laird, man. I mean, he's uh, the fantasy darling and uh, has had a couple of big receive not big, but meaningful uh, receiving games from a running back in uh, PPR format. So definitely someone uh, with the Giants on tap, with Devontae Parker potentially out because of his concussion, who could factor into the fantasy mix this week. We'll run down a few injuries at the running back position for you now. Josh Jacobs sounds like he is actually going to play for the Raiders this week. Jake, uh, you referenced that a little bit earlier. We scrubbed Deion. Andre Washington from this show because of that fact, but you know, not necessarily 100% could be some setbacks. So just keep an eye on it. The next couple of days, James Conner expected to return to practice, which would be a good sign for his availability in week 15. Jordan Howard still not cleared for contact. So we'll have to watch that. Miles Sanders would be uh, totally worth firing up. Uh, if Jordan Howard is out again, Bo Scarborough dealing with a rib issue, Damian Williams returned to practice for the chiefs. He hasn't played since week 11. Uh, he also dealing with a rib injury, but back at practice on Wednesday uh, definitely uh, suggests that maybe things are headed in the right direction for him. And then finally, Thursday night football, Jets and Ravens, uh, Bilal Powell out with his ankle injury. What was your guys' favorite memory of the 2019 Bilal Powell fantasy era? <laughs> not not <laughs> rostering him anywhere. <laughs> oh, I got I got to second that. <laughs> Le'Veon Bell back uh, after after putting up a 251 on the uh, bowling alley back in the driver's seat for the Jets in the backfield on Thursday night football. 
Before we get to wide receivers, guys, I want to tell you a little bit about this weekend I've got coming up. It's uh, holiday time, obviously, and I've got a very busy weekend ahead of me. I've got on Friday night a friend's white elephant party. On Saturday night, got uh, another friend having a housewarming party. Thanks a lot. Really uh, squeeze that housewarming party in. Not that we have anything going on, right? So uh, Sunday, uh, I'm going to be lounging on the couch even harder than I do on a typical Sunday. And thankfully for me, I don't have to go out, worry about getting food that way or cook because of DoorDash. Uh, you know, my favorite pizza joints are on DoorDash. Favorite sushi places are on DoorDash. The website or the app has uh, more than 340,000 restaurants in 3,300 cities. So you can also find a new favorite as well. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and enter promo code RANKINGS. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code RANKINGS. Don't forget, that's promo code RANKINGS for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. Let's move on to wide receivers now. Tyler Lockett, the first guy I want to talk about, you guys. Uh, this is just a head-scratching situation. It keeps on happening now week after week after week with Tyler Lockett. His last four games... Eight catches, 15 targets, 107 yards, a high of 43 yards. That came last week for Seattle. Uh, Jake at wide receiver 27 on Tyler Lockett. Brandon, you are at wide receiver 30. I'm going to go to the Seattle resident first on this one. Uh, how deep would you have to be at this position to bench him? I mean, if you got wide receiver 30, you still have him in the wide receiver three mix, but it's been a tough go of it now for a month running with Tyler Lockett. Yeah, I mean, I, I would feel very leery about having to start him this week. And, you know, and I certainly wouldn't have a comfort uh, level with that that I would that would be any good. I look, I think, the, you know, I think the, the shin injury, there might be some lingering things from that. I think that Russell Wilson, if you notice, he's just kind of gotten into looking at DK Metcalf for big plays, which is telling to me. And uh, last week we saw against the Rams with all that pressure, they were not able to throw a deep ball. And then you look at Carolina – this week, they're second in the league in sacks. Uh, so, to me, I think that's a big problem for, for Tyler Lockett and his ability to get some big plays in this one. And as I mentioned, like, you know, when they're looking for a big first down, Russell Wilson's looking DK Metcalf's way. Uh, it seems like he's kind of moved ahead of Tyler Lockett in that pecking order in terms of, I need to get this play. And, and I'm not saying that's the right decision. That's just what Russell Wilson's been doing the last few weeks if you kind of watch it and see how things go. And, and who knows? I think when when the dust settles here, we're going to hear that Tyler Lockett was playing through pain uh, it's ever, since that, uh, ever since that shin injury. And he had 18 targets in week nine he's had 15 total in the four games since i thought we already kind of heard that that he was playing through like he hasn't been 100 percent ever since the bye week like i just at least that's what i assumed like there's been rumors about her like i maybe not 100 percent to your point but yeah i i, I definitely am at least under the assumption that he's not playing 100 percent. and at this point the only reason he's in this range and he hasn't fallen down to the Brandon Cooks where where I brought up last week, I even said that to you guys, is like take the name off the jersey. And, and I don't know if you guys saw, but Brandon Cooks is even inside the top 50 for me this week. He has a goose egg. He's just he's not even rosterable at this point. But the only reason that Tyler Lockett still is is because it's health-related. And if he gets back to being 100%, and the one thing I'll say, because I know you watch this game, because that's your boy, and that's all oh, your boys, plural, Brandon, <laughs> is Tyler Lockett was open a couple times in that game. And I remember one place specifically where he had his hands up in the air. 
And I, I bring up something that, you know, Mike, you asked me about D'Angelo Williams, and a couple of weeks ago he brought up the fact that Odell Beckham, part of the reason, now before the injury, but part of the reason he wasn't getting as many looks is because Baker Mayfield's become accustomed to not look his way because they're probably practicing and treating him double-covered in practice. Well, my assumption from what I saw in that game, and granted, now I'm just putting pieces together, but this is the football knowledge that we have that we kind of put together is I kind of felt like Russell Wilson wasn't treating him as his number one read because he's accustomed to him not being 100%. And maybe if he's getting close, we see him start to look his way first or second more than he has been of late. So it's just I don't want to see the Tyler Lockett that we know all he needs is three targets and he can turn all three targets to three receptions for 100 yards and a touchdown on my bench when I need him. Unless I'm really, as you said, Mike, unless I'm deep and you have multiple guys inside the top 30 that you could bench him for. And I'm not saying they all have to rank in front of Tyler Lockett. If you do want to bench Tyler Lockett for D.D. Westbrook with no D.J. Chark or, you know, Terry McLaurin in a great match, if you want to do something like that, I'm not going to fault you. But that to Brandon's point, this is why I still, I'm going to put some faith in Tyler Lockett. Seahawks, six-point favorites on the road this week against the Carolina Panthers. So they're making that long trip from Seattle to Charlotte, but still laying nearly a touchdown and getting an implied team total of 27 points in that game. How about Darius Slayton, you guys? Uh, You guys are in total lockstep on this one. Wide receiver 28 for Darius Slayton. Giants, three-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the Dolphins. Slayton clicked with Eli last week. Five catches on eight targets for 154 yards and two touchdowns. I've got a two-prong question for you guys here. We'll start with Jake. First, uh, do your rankings consider Eli Manning or Daniel Jones the starter? And second, how much, if at all, would uh, your ranking on Slayton change if the other guy ends up being the starter? Uh, It's Eli Manning, and it has no bearing who starts. Uh, To be honest, before this, I honestly thought that Eli Manning was going to be a downgrade for Darius Slayton, because something we know about Eli Manning before he got benched, part of the reason, like, he looked poor overall, period, But one of the bigger things was that he never had a great deep ball to begin with. He could throw the deeper sideline pass like nobody else. We know that that won a Super Bowl with Mario Manningham. But the deep ball has always been an issue. I mean, you can go back to the beginning of his career. You see these wide open receivers downfield streaking open. Amani Toomer go back in the day and he still misses them. Odo Beckham plays left on the field because he missed them deep, wide open. And that was my concern with Darius Slayton. Now, he did hit him, but one of those plays was the Mario Manningham type play. And then the other one was, you know what? This is a pretty easy play where most quarterbacks should be able to make. I still have my concerns, but the reason I have Slayton here and I have Shepard further behind him, I still think that Shepard is more, I'd say Eli's more comfortable with Shepard. And again, I'm not changing it if it's Daniel Jones, but the thing you like to see is that even if the targets were the same, they were only one apart, but the air yards were a wide. Like we're talking about the Grand Canyon difference in air yards between you go from Darius Slayton to Sterling Shepard. So that's why Slayton's going to rank the highest out of the three for me. And actually, even out of the three, I think Golden Tate's irrelevant. You can drop Golden Tate at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think the amazing thing is is Slayton has seven touchdowns, and only one of them's come in the red zone, which <laughs> is it's pretty awesome. Uh, this guy's talented. Tyreek Hill. It's a, Tyreek Hill. Yeah, and, you know, with but bigger, you know. Yeah, um, right. And, and it's, it's a great matchup. So, and, you know, even with Eli being a downgrade in terms of his ability to throw it downfield, um, 
you look at he still went for 154 yards and two touchdowns against Philadelphia. Yeah, it was almost all in the first half, and some of it might have been a little bit fluky, but like it's a great matchup again, and he's getting the targets from Eli uh, that he pretty much was getting from Daniel Jones. So I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and and roll the dice on that talent given the matchup as as at least a you know a kind of a high end wide receiver three this week. Yeah, we saw Eli and Darius Slayton uh, pick at that uh, really weak Eagles secondary, and that's why I'm going to skip the next guy on our list and jump down one to Terry McLaurin because Washington gets that Eagles team in D.C. this week. Uh, Terry McLaurin had four catches for 57 yards and a touchdown against the Packers in Week 14, uh, but it's been a tale of two seasons for the rookie out of Ohio State five uh, in five games with Dwayne Haskins, his college teammate, as a starter. 18 catches, 33 targets, 245 yards, and one touchdown. In seven starts with Case Keenum, 28 catches, 46 targets, 458 yards, five touchdowns. Obviously, he's done more damage with Case Keenum, uh, especially uh, where it counts in those yardage and touchdown uh, numbers than he has with Dwayne Haskins. Brandon, we'll go to you first here. This is a great matchup against Philadelphia. You guys both have him in that wide receiver three range, but is this a touchdown or bust situation, or do you think he can do it on yards alone? Uh, yeah, well, I think he has a chance to, you know, I'm kind of, I give him a chance to score a touchdown, but I kind of give him a chance to get 60, 70, 80 yards in this one. I, the matchup's good in terms of who will be, who he'll be going up against in, in Ronald Darby and and Jalen Mills. I think the worry is that Philly, Philly can get pressure and they're kind of middle of the road in terms of sacks. Uh, but I think there's a possibility they can get pressure, and, and that's kind of all bets off on McLaurin. If if Haskins doesn't have time, you're in trouble. I mentioned Carolina and the fact that they're second in the league in, in sacks. Well, you look what McLaurin did against Wash uh, against Carolina. He had two catches for eight yards. You know, it's like if Haskins doesn't have time to throw, and he's and he's forced to kind of make something happen because of that. Uh, big-time trouble. So I'm kind of looking at Philly as sort of middle of the road that Haskins will have some chance to throw, that there's that when that happens, he's got guys that have been exploitable this year and Ronald Darby and Jalen Mills, and I'm giving him, uh, you know, that's kind of the upside I see here with him. Yeah, the, 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 you, I laughed when you said the yards because, no, I don't think you can hang on the <laughs> yards when it comes to the fact that Dwayne Haskins, a quarterback, averaging, like, what, three yards per attempt or something like that? Uh, he's making Joe Flacco look like the biggest air yards quarterback in all time. So, like, I, I, all that, kidding aside, is you know how I feel about Haskins for the long term. And part of what I feel about Haskins was he wasn't ready to start this year, and I said that the entire season. He's still not ready to start, but that's understandable. He's a one-year starter in college, hasn't even played a full two seasons. Well, now he finally has and it's about the eagles they the 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 thing that we're looking for here is to answer your question is the second part of it you're looking for a broken play really or even like just broken coverage you know some of those plays that the giants have and we saw it like mills and darby despite them both being back and the eagles defense playing better since they came back they're still vulnerable to getting lost giving up the big play miscommunications they just they're kind of a mess all around, and it just doesn't seem like they can ever get one week where the defense looks good, they stay healthy, the offense, like it's just, it's always something with them. So you're hoping McLaurin breaks one and gets free for a touchdown because if not, I don't know, even if he catches four or five balls, it's Dwayne Haskins, and I think four or five, five receptions probably still only turns into like 65 yards. 
Yeah, we saw it last week. Four turned into 57 against Green Bay, but he did get that touchdown to make his day. Hopefully, or if you're if you're starting McLaurin, that is likely what you are hoping for in week 15. Let's jump back up to that guy I skipped. It's A.J. Brown. Uh, we've talked about him as a boomer bust uh, receiver this season, a boomer bust player. And when he booms, he booms, as we saw <laughs> last week. Five catches for 153 yards. Two touchdowns. He is becoming the number one receiver in Tennessee. Forget about Corey Davis. Forget about the tight ends. A.J. Brown is the apple of Ryan Tannehill's eye. Last week, an excellent matchup against the Raiders. This week, not as good a matchup, but probably not a bad one against Houston. You guys both like him as a wide receiver, too. Jake at wide receiver 23. Brandon at wide receiver 21. Uh, Jake, I'll go to you first on this one. Uh, how much of this is matchup? How much, uh, much of this, excuse me, is just uh, A.J. Brown becoming the receiver that we think he can be. Well, if you want to go with nonsensical, you know, up and downs, it's kind of like the Giants winning the World Series up and down. Like, this actually should be the down week for A.J. Brown if you're looking <laughs> over the last five games. If you just like things that don't make sense. Uh, Houston, good, you know, poor against quarterbacks, actually, which yeah, I think people can understand this and put the two and two together. Middle of the road against wide receivers. So they've actually started to play together better against wide receivers, still giving up a good amount to pass catching running backs and tight ends. So it's just overall, they're very susceptible to quarterbacks. Uh, some of the quarterbacks they face have also run against them. So that's part of the reason why. But the bigger thing is that even though they're middle of the road against wide receivers, they're still susceptible to the bigger plays, even more so than the Eagles. They're kind of near the top. They're up there with like the Giants and the Raiders and stuff like that. So if anybody's going to do it on this team, it is A.J. Brown. And A.J. Brown is a supreme talent. You guys know there's somebody that I had as one of the few wide receivers in my tier one of the NFL draft. But he's a rookie, and I think that's why you have the inconsistencies is you have to understand that, that as great as A.J. Brown is, and I do mean great, I do think that next year we're going to be talking about him as a top 15 wide receiver, if not potentially better. I think a lot of it's going to continue, you know, be contingent on how this team is shaped next year and if Tannehill is the quarterback and all that type of stuff. But as a rookie wide receiver, you just have to understand that there's still going to be part of the game of him understanding where to break in defenses if he's getting double coverage uh that that chemistry if something breaks down to understand where is Tannehill going to be looking for me when things break down so those are the things you run into with a rookie and if the Texans decide to bracket him the entire game they could easily shut him down but he's in this conversation because he has some of the highest ceiling as you mentioned yeah uh are we Where's our rankings? Are we lockstep on him? I, I, yeah, you're two uh, spots in front yeah. of me. I, actually, I hate yeah. him because you have him two spots in front. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like he's the guy that you feel a lot better about playing if you're looking at your projections for your matchup this week and you're the, you're like a big underdog because he has that high ceiling. Uh, but he also has, you know, within the last six games, a game against Tampa, which he caught two passes for 11 yards, and a game against right. Kansas City where he caught one pass for 17 yards. And those are two games where you would think like, oh. There's going to be some, you know, there's going to be some decent passing numbers going up in these games. And, you know, probably a lot of people did start him in those games and were left wanting. There is that volatility, as Jake mentioned, with him being a rookie with the fact that they don't throw the wide receivers a whole lot. And A.J. Brown has had like one game season high of uh, eight targets. But a lot of times he's four and five. That's kind of where he settles in most weeks. And it's really hard. Uh, to feel confident about a guy who's, you know, you're thinking about four or five targets uh, each week. And so uh, he's definitely popped a couple times of late, and I like the potential for him to do it again. That's just a considerable downside. 
Yeah, here, I'll, I'll help everybody make the decision. This is so here's the really easy way change his name, pretend it's not AJ Brown, call him Deshaun Jackson, and now decide whether or not you want that in your lineup. It's pretty good, actually. I mean, that's the truth. That's that's what you that's what it is. <laughs> well, Deshaun, Deshaun was amazing, and then he got hurt for the rest of the year, so now he left us with this like this really good image in our minds of him. But yeah, no, no, no. the, the, the real Deshaun Jackson. Remember when he was like healthy? He was completely volatile as well. No, yeah, the Deshaun Jackson that had six great games, another four of like oh, okay, wasn't so bad, and then another six of good God, why did I start this guy? <laughs> Uh, well, uh, it could be the the fate that awaits you if you start A.J. Brown this week. Huge game with the Texans and Titans getting together. Whoever wins that on top of the AFC South, whoever loses it, probably heads into Week 16 out of playoff position. Uh, we I want to hit on one more receiver. We can do this one quick. He's also in the AFC South, but not in that playoff discussion, at least for real life. It's D.D. Westbrook. Um, Jake, you're at wide receiver 29. Brandon at wide receiver 23. We likely are not going to see D.J. Chark active in this game. He's got an ankle injury. He's in a, a walking boot. Probably not going to play. We do know Gardner Minshew back as the starter for Jacksonville. Didn't look great last week, uh, but gets a very friendly matchup with the Oakland Raiders this week. Uh, Westbrook didn't do much a week ago, but did get seven targets and caught six of them. Just 25 yards, which seems almost impossible, but you do like that number seven in the target column. Uh, Brandon, going to go to you first here. Uh, At wide receiver 23, you must feel like this is a no-brainer of a start for D.D. Westbrook this week. Yeah, I do. I just feel really good about him. I feel really good about the matchup against, uh, you know, um, Trayvon Mullen and company in that in that Raiders secondary uh, with no DJ Shark. I feel like there's a really good chance he's pushing 10 plus uh, targets this week. So uh, I will I will spoiler alert this and say that Chris Conley is my guy to take a chance on as well, because I just <laughs> think it's going to be a whole lot of D.D. Westbrook, a whole lot of Chris Conley in a game where uh, the matchup favors them a whole lot. So, uh, yeah, I'm playing D.D. Westbrook and I'm going to strongly consider playing Chris Conley in a lot of leagues in the flex spot. Yeah. Not so a lot that, of leagues. Let's be, I, I'm only, I'm only, I'm only, uh, I only have him in one league where I'd actually have to make that consideration, but I'll be, I'll be considering him very strongly. No. So that's, that's my concern. Actually, if you told me who I like the most, I like D.D. the most, but the Chris Conley situation concerns me. Keelan Cole concerns me. Like I just, I don't think we have enough of a track record from part of one is Gardner Minshew as a rookie. We had Nick Foles mixed back in. We've had not all three of these wide receivers healthy all season. We haven't really had a situation where these three guys have been out there with no DJ Chark. It's just who is going to be the guy. And I would still go DD highest, but Conley's not that far behind for me. And I'm not going to be quite as aggressive as Brandon, because there's a few guys where, you know, you would go from 23 to 29 for me that I just feel better about. Do I think DD can finish inside the top 20? Absolutely. But do I think it could also be Conley and even Keelan Cole? I really think it could be any of the three. All right. Well, you guys both think Conley can maybe be that guy. Jay, uh, Brandon's on record as having him as his guy to take a chance on. So we're good there. Jake, why don't you give us a, a wide receiver to take a chance on in week 15? Yeah, this is a good. It's going to sound reactionary because he just had a big game, but I kind of I liked them last week, and I think the reason I put them in the sleeper section this week is why I broke them down too for this reason to say so is Zach Pascal because I think a lot of people are going to look at this game and say oh no Marshawn Lattimore and that's a legitimate concern I would be too but the good there's good news for it and and this is why I told everybody in the column is Zach Pascal runs about a third of his plays out of the slot we know Marshawn Lattimore doesn't really move there Marcus Johnson is about ten percent in the slot so if you just move Pascal around. 
a third of the time, we should get him away. And on top of getting him away, if you're going to see 19 targets in two games and get eight to nine targets or even possibly more in this game, even if like a lot of them come against Marshawn Lattimore, you should still be able to back your way into three, four, maybe five catches and potentially a touchdown. And what should be forcing the offense to try and keep up with the Saints as they just obliterated the 49ers. So it's not a great situation, but if he can get away from Marshawn Lattimore and get some Eli Apple and P.J. Williams in that game, which I think is possible, I think Zach Pascal is startable for weeks 15, and that's why I bring it up is because I think people might be hesitant in their playoffs, and I understand why. Zach Pascal's teammate, T.Y. Hilton, kicks off our wide receivers with injuries to keep in mind over the next couple of days. The guy just can't get healthy with that leg issue and uh, unlikely to be out there yet again in week 15. Adam Thielen now going on six weeks that he has been out with this hamstring injury. Maybe he gets back for Minnesota. Obviously, the Vikings have a monster game next week, week 16, when they take on the Packers. Julio Jones still dealing with the shoulder injury, uh, but we should expect to see him out there this week. Juju Smith-Schuster expected to get back to practice, which would uh, be a good sign for his availability. He's missed a couple of games now with a knee injury. We already talked about DJ Chark, unlikely to play for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Devontae Parker suffered a concussion last week. If he's unable to go, that takes a, a big chunk out of what Ryan Fitzpatrick might be able to do. And Devontae Parker has been an easy start for uh, the mo- the majority of this season. Will Fuller, another leg injury, a hamstring issue for him. Titans, uh, Texans, excuse me, might not have him for that matchup with the Titans. And Alshon Jeffrey uh, putting him here just because the Eagles uh, haven't officially said anything, but certainly sounds uh, like not only will he miss week 15, but potentially like his season whether that be just another couple of games or into the playoffs is over after the foot injury he suffered against the Giants on Monday add, night football to add to that Mike uh the Mike Evans just got announced as done for the season officially oh uh, yeah there so, we go this, so they got put on Twitter so the speculation to your point someone to Alshon Jeffrey he's done done uh John Ross and you know bad matchup but with the fact that Auden Tate is out he had a limited practice today just so you know there you go, John Ross. Maybe uh, throwing it back to those uh, early season heroics that he put up if he's able uh, to get on the field for the Bengals. Of course, very tough matchup against the New England Patriots. Let's go over now to the quarterback position. Alshon Jeffries, teammate, where we're going to start. I feel like Carson Wentz is one of the most talked about uh, guys on the ranking show this week. Uh, you know, out of nowhere, he sort of put together a nice fantasy game. Uh, wasn't the prettiest real life game, but the Eagles did get a win, and uh, Wentz's fantasy owners got 325 yards and a couple of touchdowns with all that damage coming uh, pretty much from the fourth quarter on uh, from Wentz against the Giants. Jake, you're at QB 10 on Wentz. Brandon, you're mm-hmm. at QB 13. But we've got no Elshon Jeffrey, probably no Nelson Aguilar, not how much th- that matters. Uh, maybe no J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, although uh, Doug Peterson saying it's uh, that he uh, is expected to be able to play. But the mere fact that we're talking about him as someone who would be a huge loss for Carson Wentz tells you where this <laughs> Eagles team is at wide receiver. But you guys still feel relatively bullish on him. Jake, why is he still a top 10 quarterback? So, and actually, Chris Meany told us on the throwback this morning, he said Josh McDowell was ready to roll in and step in at wide receiver if needed at the end of that game when they were down to Greg Ward and Josh Perkins running in the three tight end sets out there because they had nobody left. I don't mean to laugh at it. It's just, it's just crazy how bad, like, the, it's, you can, all you can do is laugh at how bad their luck has been. You got to feel for them. I'm a Giants fan and I feel for him at this point. Uh, so, mostly because I still, I was really happy they won that game as a Giants fan. I was like, <laughs> don't screw up my draft pick. <laughs> but in any case, 
like the my, I go back to one thing with this is the Giants and the Redskins past defenses are eerily similar. They have one person that might be able to do some damage at times. They can play well enough to keep people in check. Never great, but they can keep teams in check. But they're also very vulnerable to just all of a sudden going belly up at any time. And for the majority of that game, the Giants were keeping them in check. And then they went belly up in the fourth quarter in overtime. And you've seen that from the Redskins as well. So I look at that and say, you know what? Yes, a lot of it came in the fourth quarter in overtime, but Carson Wentz still went for 300 yards, still went for two touchdowns with Greg Ward as his top option. Well, Zach Ertz as his top option. Dallas Goddard inexplicably half used as much as he's ever been. So I look at that and say, you know what? If he can do that against the Giants in a game that they were controlling, he can do the same thing against the Redskins, knowing going into that game his top two options are probably Greg Ward and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside and not like expecting Alshon Jeffrey to play. So I, I, I kind of compare last week's game, and I think he's rolling out with the same exact situation. Yeah, but maybe with no maybe with no overtime and maybe with no surprise Boston Scott kind of, you know, um, Washington will be ready for him at least. Um, and, you know, he made some plays in the passing game for sure. So Miles Sanders, I just, you know, I'm not that far away from you. I just don't feel comfortable as ranking Carson Wentz without those guys as a, as a QB one this week in your semifinal round. I think there is, you know, without Alex John Jeffrey, you know, we saw how, how bad this offense can look. And I, you know what? I mean, he was, they were without him most of the week last week too. Um, but, uh, I just, you know, going in, he was he was he wasn't hurt yet. So now that now that teams know there's no Alshon Jeffrey and you're dealing with Greg Ward and and JJ Arcega Whiteside, I just, I, you know, I just think that's a lot easier to game well, plan I, for. I barely have him was one. I don't know what Mike you were looking at. I think you counted wrong because he's at twelve for me. So just so you know. Okay. Oh, I thought you had him at ten. Oh, yeah, okay. Mike counted wrong or something. Oh, I, have, okay. I, I have a sandwich between Rogers and Fitzpatrick. Okay. So I anyway, guess we have anyway, we have basically I gotta, the same. I gotta, rank. I gotta, I gotta fight back against this uh, indictment of my counting ability. I think there was just a ten next to his name. Uh, no, I don't think so. I've been no, counting for a long time. The, 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 scroll, the scrolls right through, and it's just it's auto fill <laughs> at that point. So I don't know. Well, either way, number one, I can blame count. the tables. Number two, you've got him at QB twelve. Still a yeah. QB one. Yeah, barely, but barely. I mean, we're talking barely. like. If Ryan Fitzpatrick, to be honest with you, I'll go. I'll go one step further and say I personally, as an owner, would play Carson Wentz. But I actually, it's crazy to say this about this person. I feel that Ryan Fitzpatrick, even without Devonte Parker, is safer because the Dolphins pass, 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 pass. Wait, 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 wait. Is that like a quarterback to take a chance on or something? Mm, probably. Although my quarterback <laughs> to take a chance, and I'm going right back to the well from last week, and I'm going right back to Ryan Tannehill. No, we're skipping over. You just asked no, me the question. Well, you put it. You put it out there. It felt like it felt like a natural thing to do. But if we're not, if we don't have to talk about it yet. We don't have to talk oh, about okay. it. Yet. Well, Ryan, I have a, Ryan Tannehill I have a finally, is a layup. I have a finally crafted rundown here, you guys. I mean, they, they, they don't ask me who my t- to take a chance <laughs> on is. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. We'll get to that in a second. Let's talk about okay. Josh Allen first. Uh, outside, no no QB1 controversy here. You guys both have him outside that group. Jake at QB16, Brandon at QB15. Of course, the uh, concerns are well understood, well founded with the Bills hosting or going to Pittsburgh, excuse me, to take on the Steelers Sunday night football this week. Uh, Josh Allen went up against a similarly strong defense last week, the Ravens. They held him to 146 yards, a t- one touchdown, and 41 rushing yards, and 
standard scoring leagues, meaning four-point passing touchdowns. That came out to 13.94 fantasy points. Uh, Brandon, we'll start with you on this one. Uh, is this just the expectation of a similar script why you have Josh Allen at QB 15? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to worry about his passing upside, but he has that, you know, he has that base rushing. We didn't see it last week, but most weeks we have, and he's, you know, he's quarterback six in Yahoo uh, default scoring because of that that rushing upside. And I've mentioned this before, you can't discount his ability to scramble and and make passing plays and big passing plays off script, even against good defenses. So I don't know. He's number six overall for the season. I really don't push Josh Allen any further than like where I'm at this week at, at 15 overall. I would never at this point, given his game, uh, put him in the 20s. And so this is kind of my low end for Josh Allen. Yes, uh, I honestly kind of lean a little bit the other way from you. I, I understand, and you know, I've been one of the bigger proponents saying the, everything you just said, arguing the fact that, look, the rushing upside is a free touchdown. I just look at last week, and, I mean, you brought it up, Mike, is even with that rushing yards, I mean, Josh Allen was 14 points last week. Was, yep, is that just what shy it was? of it. it was like, yeah, it's just shy. And you know what that got you? And I'm only saying that because you just mentioned it, Brandon. That's QB 20 last week. So, I, you know, that's my concern is if it's the same exact game and he doesn't run for the touchdown, then what are you doing? And depending on some of the sites that you might have played on, it could have been even worse than that. So I, I put him here out of respect of everything. I, that's what I'm saying. I agree with you, Brandon. I put him out of here out of respect for what he brings in the rushing upside. But if he doesn't get a rushing touchdown with it, I'm really concerned that this might be a little bit high. I do not, put it this way. I don't want to start Josh Allen if I don't have to. Hopefully you made contingency plays. We warned you the entire season this was coming. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We knew that the that he had this very tough schedule. It's looming. even worse next Patriots, week. Yep, Patriots next week. So we knew that this was in the cards for Josh Allen all season long. He was going to get you here. Maybe he wasn't going to be able to carry you uh, in the fantasy playoffs. Another guy with a very tough matchup, and another guy who it sounds like or it seems like neither of you guys are trusting this week is Matt Ryan. Jake, you were at QB eighteen. Brandon at QB seventeen. Falcons in San Francisco to take on the 49ers. Obviously, that's a tough matchup. Uh, so, And with your guys' uh, rankings of him, clearly you think that that matchup is as tough as it seems on paper. But I just got to play a little devil's advocate here. Uh, <laughs> Matt Ryan has nine 300-yard games on the season. Eight of those came with multiple touchdowns. Uh, he is QB 11 on the year. More often than not, he's been able to deliver in pretty poor circumstances all season long in Atlanta. So, Jake, we'll go to you first here. Uh, is the matchup really that daunting? that you would be willing to push Matt Ryan out of your lineup? It is if everybody's healthy. If there is no Richard Sherman and no Kwan Williams, he's going to move up. If only one of them are out there, he might barely move up. But I'll go back to, you know, you're saying that. The, the problem with Matt Ryan is two things. He just lost his best wide receiver. Yes, I said that for this year, uh, at least production-wise. Now, <laughs> Julio Jones is still by far at least a top five talent. I say that tongue-in-cheek. But Calvin Ridley, I don't want to put it this way. Let's not overlook the loss of Calvin Ridley. We were asking Russell Gage, you know, maybe if Justin Hardy comes back, uh, uh, Zacchaeus coming up. Like, we're asking all these guys to step in for what had been a breakout season for one of the best talents in last year's draft. So we all know that. Let's, let's not underrate what that loss is. So I also look at the fact that he was poor against Tampa Bay, who everybody has and should torch. He was terrible against the Rams. I'm with you, though. I mean, he was 
good one game. Uh, you know, he had a, a poor passing day, but two passing touchdowns the first time against New Orleans and then had a good game two weeks ago. So I'm with you. There's been good signs of it, but similar to some of the inconsistent players we talked about before, there doesn't seem he's kind of like Jared Cook. There's no rhyme or reason to when he has his bad games. It's not like it's a bad matchup. And that's why I brought up the Buccaneers. It's not like it's, oh, my God, he faced the, the you know, the, the Steelers or anything like that. So. I think he's going to stay here for me. But like I said, I will move him up if Sherman and Kowal Williams are both out because that is one of the best cornerback duos in the league. Yeah, I agree. I would I would do the same. I think Sherman's uh, for sure out, it sounds like, uh, or at least a really good chance. But one thing I would, I'm would i sort of considering is the idea that uh, Calvin Ridley might be a good thing over, uh, being out, might be a good thing overall for Matt Ryan if it forces him to throw the ball to Julio Jones. And I think Calvin Ridley uh, – <laughs> You know, because the other defense is is throwing its attention towards Julio Jones, makes it very easy for Matt Ryan to steer clear of Julio Jones. But with no Calvin Ridley, I don't think it's a bad thing if maybe he's kind of have to force himself to look at Julio Jones a lot more and even throw to him when it doesn't look like he's 100% wide open because, I mean, Julio Jones can go up and make plays. And I think this might actually end up being a really big Julio Jones game, even, uh, even with Ridley out. So... And of course, Austin Hooper being back helps. Uh, so yeah, there's there's some injuries in the secondary. There's potential for Julio Jones to be more target, which I think is a good thing for Matt Ryan. So uh, obviously, I don't have him ranked as a starter this week, but uh, you know, I do see a pathway to him having a decent fantasy day overall. That's the uh, the galaxy brain meme come to life right there, Brandon. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, Matt Ryan, uh, tough matchup against San Francisco on the other side of that game. Uh, let's roll through Jimmy Garoppolo. I feel like we got to mention him after the game he had last week. You know, he, he had been on a roll against beatable defenses before last week, but then going up against New Orleans has arguably his best game of the, definitely his best game of the season and, and pretend one of his best statistical games of the year as well. 349 yards, four touchdowns in that tough matchup with New Orleans Saints as a football fan I hope we get to see that uh, matchup again at some point uh, a month or so from now Uh, but uh, for this week he gets a very easier uh, matchup a very much cushier matchup against the Falcons 11 point favorites for the 49ers Uh, Jake though at QB 13 Brandon at QB 8 Jake we'll go to you first here Uh, QB 13 feels kind of low why so low on uh, on this guy here? Just one spot behind Carson Wentz. I was. I'm glad you brought that up. You're you're going to start Wentz over Garoppolo. Yeah, I would because it comes back to at least I know the offenses, and that's that's my biggest concern. The same concern I have for Raheem Mostert is the same concern I have for Jimmy Garoppolo. Is that any given game can be let's just run it and win it, and this is certainly a game where they can run it and win it because as we've seen in the second half. The Atlanta Falcons can get quarterback pressure, and you know they're beatable all over the field. At least be true. I'm not gonna say that's not the case, but you know, what if you know there's a what if scenario that we could play with any game. I know that, but you know they come out to a ten nothing lead. It's gonna be run Mostert, run Tevin Coleman, run Matt Breida. Like it could just be that. And I go back to it's not so much Jimmy Garoppolo that I don't trust, but. 21 attempts against Baltimore, 20 attempts against Green Bay. Yeah, he had 35 and then 45 and 46, but then 22 and 21. I just don't know which Garoppolo it's going to be. I don't know what game plan. We don't. I wish we did because if we did, we could predict this team with 100% accuracy. But I just don't know if it's going to be a run-heavy game or if it's going to be a pass-heavy game. If you gave me, Brandon, if you told me right now, hey, Jake, it's guaranteed Jimmy Garoppolo is passing at least 30 times. 
I would rank him inside the top 10. That, But that's just my concern. I don't know what it's going to be. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I think Atlanta's done a pretty good job uh, against the run. I, you know, you look at the last five weeks, they're they're better than average than the, than the league in terms of limiting, you know, fantasy point production at the running back position. I think, you know, they where where uh, San Francisco is likely to have the most success is picking on their their pass defense. So Garoppolo seems dialed in. He's completed like seven over 70 percent of his passes in four straight games. Uh, you mentioned it, Michael, how he was taking advantage of the weaker D's, uh, you know, and then last week he did it even against New Orleans. Well, you know, here we are, another weaker D. So I I don't – I mean, I just feel like his floor here is like two touchdowns and 250 yards, and there's there's room for more. I, I There's uncertainty, sure, as you mentioned, but if I'm just forced to, you know, to make a bet on which, which side I'm going to land on in terms of that uncertainty, I'm going to say that he throws it 30-plus times in this game. All right, Jake, here's your moment. You wanted it earlier, but now is the actual time approved for it, a quarterback to take a chance on. Wait, are you legitimately asking me this time? I'm asking you legitimately this time. No Ryan Fitzpatrick shenanigans, a quarterback who you want to take a chance on in week 15. So it's both Ryans, not the one, not the last name Ryan, the first name Ryan. It is I took Ryan Tannehill. I'll go back to the well again and ride him to the championship. Although I feel a lot of people have finally gotten on board with Ryan Tannehill. Look, it took me an extra week or two with that one as well because it's Ryan Tannehill. We know a lot from him, but it's Ryan Fitzpatrick for the other one since a lot of people were probably on Tannehill. I'll go with Fitzpatrick. I know people are going to be scared with no Devontae Parker. As long as he's got at least Hearns out there, and I would really prefer Albert Wilson to be out there as well. But I think that what I said before, before when you, I thought we were talking about this question, is it's about the Dolphins. And even if he's, you know what, let's even say Albert Wilson's out. It's not going to stop the Dolphins' game plan. Even with Patrick Laird at running back, they don't run to him that much because this is a pass first, pass second, pass third, and maybe even fourth offense. So against the Giants as well, where you can definitely get him against the pass, I think Fitzpatrick, and knowing his ways, yeah, he might come out of this game with 250 yards, one touchdown, and four interceptions. But against the Giants, I'm probably going to take the uh, the opposite on that one. I'll tell you a guy that I uh, I like better than Fitzpatrick. I have him ranked 20th Carson this Wentz. week. Carson Wentz. Uh, no. <laughs> well, I guess I, I, that is a true statement as well. Um, it's Kyle Allen. And no one's going to want to start. I mean, if, but if you're in dire, if you somehow got this far and you've been streaming and you get a tough, you know, waiver wire this week, I, I think Kyle Allen can be very serviceable. Here's a guy that is thrown the ball a ton in the last five weeks i mean he's been over he's been 40 or more passes in four of those weeks his low in the past five weeks is 36 attempts and his low is also 256 passing yards and he's going against the seahawks and i really like the weapons that carolina has uh in particular going against the seahawks because i always harp on the fact that they're so soft in that underbelly tight ends kill him guys that can that can run you know in the seams and, and run horizontally as opposed to just being downfield guys uh, to me, that describes DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel. I think if Ian Thomas or Greg Olson, whoever's in there, they got a big day. And oh, by the way, you got Christian McCaffrey, who's huge in the backfield. And I think that can be an issue for the Seahawks defense as well. So I think the way Carolina is constructed on offense with the kind of talents that they have and the fact that they've just been so bad and just having to throw the ball a ton lately, I think Kyle Allen can put up some pretty decent numbers. No meaningful uh, quarterback injuries this week. You're going to see some uh, some cues probably next to Tom Brady, Dak Prescott, Jameis Winston. They're all going to play. Lamar Jackson well, just, officially. Ralph Vacchiano is reporting Eli Manning. 
to, to play again this week. Is there also playing. Okay, there you go. It's the only one. So Lamar is playing on Thursday, even with that quad issue. And then the only one we had was maybe Daniel Jones, maybe Eli Manning. But right there, we've got Eli Manning getting back under center for the New York Giants <laughs> yet again this week. Uh, we'll see uh, if he can. Hey, to roll back real quick. Uh, yeah? Pete Carroll. Tyler Lockett is back to full strength. And so there you Ooh. go. God, I really hope so. Number one, just because you want to see guys at full strength. Of course, no one wants to see anyone injured. Number two, I really need Tyler Lockett this week, you guys. Like, really need him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Carroll just just confirmed that every Lockett owner is now starting him. And, and, you know, (laughs) trusting Pete Carroll is a little iffy. but That's uh, true. But but he does tell the truth. Yeah, he does. He says we're sticking with Carson, Carson, and they stick with Carson, you know. Well, except except about the moon landing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, to be fair, that, you know, there's no there's no solid evidence either either way on that. (laughs) Oh, man. You know where there's no solid evidence on any tight end who's not named George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, Austin Hooper, Hunter Henry, Darren Waller, Mark Andrews, Jack Doyle, Jared Cook. I guess Dallas Goddard, we can put him in there. But if you have him, you're probably starting him. Jacob Hollister, those guys, right? If you have those guys, you're starting those guys. We already know that. So we can get past that and just go straight to take a chance at tight end. Give me one guy, not in that group, who if you are playing in your fantasy football semifinals right now, you're going to throw into your lineup. Uh, Brandon, let's go with you first. Well, I mentioned Ian Thomas. So you mentioned Greg Olson. Uh, he's in concussion. You know, he's in the protocol. I think he did a walk walk through the other day in practice. Maybe he plays, maybe he doesn't. But if Ian Thomas plays, we know he can step in and be very effective. And he's going against the Seahawks, who, if there wasn't an Arizona Cardinals team, the Seahawks would be the worst team against tight ends. Um, and they, as I mentioned, they just can't guard the position. So I would like Ian Thomas if he plays, and I would also – you know, I would go back to the Tyler Higby well as well this week if Gerald Everett doesn't play. So to Brandon's point, plus 5.2 in APA, right behind plus 5.5 Arizona. So there you go. They're both significantly higher when it comes to tight ends. So I will take the third team, the Houston Texans facing Jonu Smith. John, Jonu hasn't seen the volume that we wanted since Delaney got hurt, but you know, there was that week 8 to 10, which I, this is another one I mentioned in the sleeper section. Weeks 8 through 10, you know, he had 18 targets over those three games. That's kind of what we want to see. Last week, four targets got him 29 yards, but he scored on that. Again, we're shooting for better, but if you look at it, the Texans have allowed the most fantasy points per game to tight ends over the last five weeks, four games, 17.1, and the most receiving yards at 383. So we saw what Fant just did to them on four receptions, what Mark Andrews did on 75 yards and a touchdown on four receptions. So while we would like Johnny Smith to get to eight, nine targets, he might not need to given what people have done on four receptions. No David and Joku takers. Uh, that seemed too easy, like a layup. And I, I, I where, where'd you rank them, Brandon? Because I ranked them. I'm going to check right now for everybody out there. I have them at 15 behind Cook, Ian Thomas, obviously, if no Greg Olson, Gasecki, and then up from there. But everybody's like, oh, he's so low. He's facing Arizona. Yeah, how'd that work out for Vance McDonald last week? And I brought up last week about Vance McDonald. How did it work out for Josh Hill and Evan Ingram and Tyler Eifert? Like, it's hit more often than it hasn't, but it's not just a slap guaranteed. No, and I have him ranked 16th, so I'm with you on that. I, it's not a guarantee, especially since he's, you know, he didn't, he didn't do anything that made us go okay. And Joku's back last right, week. Yeah. You know, like he didn't even look that good in his first game back. Yeah, three targets, 
three targets in that game, one catch for four yards. I'd be with you guys too. Uh, luckily, where I am alive, I am in good of the shape. Snaps. Yeah, yeah, I'm in good shape at tight end, but uh, even if I weren't, he's not the guy who I'd be going after. I think both of your calls uh, are better plays than David Njoku this week. Uh, Mark Andrews has a knee injury, uh, going to play, though, uh, tomorrow night against the Jets. Greg Olson is really one to keep an eye on, uh, still in concussion protocol. If he doesn't play, we saw what Ian Thomas can do, 10 targets, five catches, got in the end zone last week. Noah Fant with foot and hip injuries. Gerald Everett still dealing with the knee that has opened the door for Tyler Higby to post consecutive big games. Jared Cook uh, suffered a concussion last week after scoring two touchdowns. Uh, we'll see if he is able to get back on the field for the Saints. That's Monday night, though, so you might not know until Monday. You probably have to make a call on that before you have all the information. Uh, Ryan Griffin officially out with his ankle injury tomorrow night. Evan Ingram still has his foot injury and Vance McDonald. Uh, you weren't going to play him anyway, but just in case you're in like a 20-team league or something, he also suffered a concussion <laughs> last week against the Cardinals. Um, I know we've gone pretty long here, but I feel like i got to mention it before we wrap things up. Jake, excellent job on the Christmas song rankings. I usually want to look for something to rip in your non-football rankings, but you know, while we wouldn't maybe agree across the board, a very great top 10. Great top 10. I got to hand it to you. Thank you. And it's actually the same top 10, just with a few movements around and a few more honorable mentions. And then I threw in, as you saw, I also did Christmas cookies this year as to add a little bit to it. So if you want your Christmas fulfillment of top 10 list, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Check it out. But you got to be a subscriber, of course, to check out Jake's Christmas song, Christmas Cookie, and, you know, Week 15 Fantasy Football Player Rankings. So go to theathletic.com slash the ranking show to get 40% off a subscription if you are listening to us on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere else for free. If you're there before you go get that subscription, please rate, review, and subscribe. It really does help us out. You can check out Jake on Twitter at All In Kid. You know that already. Brandon at Brandon Funston and me at M. Beller. Thank you so much for joining us on this Odyssey in the Week 15 ranking show. For Jake and Brandon, I am Michael. Have a great rest of your week. Good luck in Week 15, and thank you for listening. <laughs>